0: Good morning and welcome to What We Trust is Arendale Alliance Church's last online-only worship service after six months. And it's difficult to even calculate the number of man hours that have gone in, the amount of work that the worship teams have done, our tech team has done, our COVID team has done. Lord willing, starting next Sunday, September 13th, we will have people in our sanctuary as we would have pre-COVID. Of course, there are rules that are going to govern how we're going to come and go from the building and what the fact that we need to be wearing masks and the social distancing that we are required to do. If you're going to be in attendance with us, I cannot stress this enough. We need you. Please, please, please go to the website and follow the links there. We need you to pre-register. We actually seat everyone ahead of time as part of our COVID protocol so we know where people are seated. And we know that we've got the right number of seats in the right number of combinations in the right places. Please register online. You will receive notification if there is a seat available for you or not. We're able to have in excess of about 100 people next Sunday morning. And so we anticipate that we should be able to accommodate most at least who want to attend with us. We will continue with the live stream services just like what we're doing right now. You'll be able to watch in real time next Sunday morning, September 13th. It will also air later after the service has been concluded. And so if you miss that 10.30 window but still want to watch online, it will work. If you want to attend in person, please register. We need you to register by Wednesday evening because Thursday is the day where all of the mapping out of the sanctuary and who's going where will take place. We trust in this COVID season, this won't be our pattern for a long time. But right now, with the restrictions, this is what we need to do. We're so thankful. We're so excited with all the work that's gone in. It feels like we're really, in a sense, kind of kicking off something new, a new season next Sunday. I'm not aware of any other announcements except to encourage you, please read the e-bulletin. We are trying to communicate the best that we can there. We're working towards fall kickoff of a number of our programs and working through what does this look like in COVID. Thank you for your patience and your prayers with us as a church as we've tried to figure out how to best handle the situation and honor the authority that's over us. Do so in a way that is safe and is uh, considerate of others. And we are... It's going to be good to have everyone back. With this in mind, would you bow with me in prayer as we begin this week's service? Holy God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you so much that even in a season where there's been a lot of challenges and there's been so many disruptions and so much uncertainty that it doesn't catch you off guard. Lord, thank you that it looks like we can be together once again. Father, I'm mindful of your words. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, it is good to be among your people. We know, holy God, that you are with us wherever we are. But Lord, thank you that we're going to be able to meet together again. We trust you as the situation continues to change, for wisdom to know how to continue to move forward. As we look at the various programs that are launching, as we look at what you're calling us to as a church, holy God, would you continue to lead us? Would you continue to guide us? Lord, thank you for our tech team. And the countless hours and the effort and the energy that they have put into figuring out how we can do this and do it well. Lord, thank you for our worship teams and the challenges that they have embraced as we have changed up schedules and approach. And and there's been so much uncertainty. Father, thank you for the office staff and the many hours that they have put in. Lord, we know that COVID has hit all of us hard and that there are many who are at home who are lonely. Lord, we know we've got church members who are in hospital and in nursing homes and they're not able to see their loved ones because of restrictions. Father, in a season where we're anticipating the celebration next Sunday, of once more being together as your people in one place, we're mindful of those who won't be able to be there. Lord, we're mindful of those who are struggling with health difficulties. And Father, we ask for your healing on them. We ask for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we ask for opportunities to encourage where we can encourage, to share fellowship where we're able to share fellowship. And holy God, we ask that wherever you have us, that we would know your presence, that holy God, you would you'd bring your joy and your peace. And more than that, that you'd speak to us and speak through us. Father, as we gather in various places around your word and in worship and in prayer, Would you continue your work of transforming and sanctifying us, your people? Lord, we ask for wisdom for our elders board as they continue to guide us in this season. Lord, we're so thankful for our office staff and the work that you're doing there. We're mindful of our teachers and our various ministry leaders and the the burden you've given to so many to continue your work And that we haven't stopped working in the middle of COVID, but we've asked, how are we going to do it? Father, we've had a bit of a break. We ask that this would be a time of renewal, even if we're not aware of it. A time of refreshing and refocusing. Show us what you would have us to do. Show us where you'd have us to go. Father, we're thankful for our partner churches. We think of Heritage Alliance in Regina. We think of Living Hope and the Korean church that also fellowships in Regina. And Father, we know they're facing the same challenges we are. Lord, we commit them to you, asking for your grace and your mercy. Lord, would you continue to use them to advance your kingdom and have your way in them. Father, we thank you for village missions and the ministry that you've given them across Canada. And I think of some of the pastors I know from that network as these small communities receive these missionary pastors to share the gospel, to love them, and to encourage them. Father, would you protect these pastors as they serve would you protect these communities? And would you continue to would you continue to advance your kingdom through what happens in these various congregations all across this country? Father, we thank you for this ministry and the incredible way that you're using it to bless. Father, we know that they have need of more missionaries, and we ask that you would raise up missionaries for village missions for here at home in Canada. For men that would step into that gap and would say, I will go. Lord, would you prepare their hearts and prepare the congregations if they're married with families, Father, that you prepare them as families to answer your call, that there might be an effective gospel witness in those communities, building into the lives of the believers who are already there and sharing the truth of the gospel among a community that is separated from you. Father, we also thank you for Marie Enns in Cambodia and the ministry that you've given her. and Father. We thank you for the, her many years of faithful service as one of our alliance missionaries. We commit her to you, asking that you would have your hand on her that you would continue to use her father she her own request is that we pray for Blaine Sylvester as he partners with her and with other missionaries in supporting what happens overseas. Father, we ask that that would be so. Father, we continue to seek you for the good Christian women they need to be the house mothers in the Cambodian ministry that you would raise women up to share and to serve and that you give Marie wisdom as she works with these ladies. Father, we ask for your protection over Cambodia from COVID-19. We know it's hitting other countries. We ask for your grace and your mercy on Cambodia, that you protect them in this season. Lord, would you have your hand on what goes on in the schools there, in the high schools in particular, And Father, in what she does in ministry there, would Marie know your peace? Would she know your filling? Would she know your leading? Have your way in her holy God. Father, for the rest of our service this morning, we thank you for the worship team and ask that you'd use them to bring us into your presence. Father, we as your people are not gathering for performance, but we are the performers bringing our best before our God. And you are the audience. Holy God, teach us what this means. Lord, we pray a blessing over our worship team with much thankfulness for their willingness to serve. We also think of Glenn, who will be bringing the word in a few moments. And Father, thank you for the ministry that you have given him and Ruth, the blessing they are to us as a congregation and us as people. Father, would you would you return back a blessing on them as he comes and shares your word with us today, that you'd speak through him, that you'd have your way in and through him in ministering to us, and give us ears to receive what you laid on his heart. Lord, have your way with the service we ask, with much thankfulness in the name of Christ. Amen. God bless.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kids Talk today. Have, or, who likes to do dishes? In our house, dishes are not the favorite thing to do. Some people, when they do dishes in your house, you might have a dishwasher. In our house, the people are the dishwashers. We don't have a dishwasher machine that we can put our dishes into. We have to wash them by hand, and it's not always fun. Um, so, when we wash dishes, we have to use hot water and soap and to get the dishes all clean and um, looking well so that people can use them again so if we don't here's my cup and I'm not sure what we drank out of this cup but it's kind of nasty looking and there's some lipstick on it so I think I probably used it Um, but I don't think I want to use this cup again until it's been cleaned and the worst thing is is that I can wash it but that lipstick is kind of hard to get off And the worst thing about doing dishes is, and sometimes this happens with dishwasher machines too, is that when you take those dishes out, they're still dirty. Sometimes there's some food that's been left on them or something, and the worst thing about washing dishes is having to wash them a second time before you can use them. So if we washed our glasses to look like this, nobody would would want to drink out of this, and we would have to start all over again. But the Bible, the Bible doesn't talk about spotty dishes and dirty dishes like that. But it does tell us that we can be spotty. And how can we be spotty? We can be spotty because our hearts are filled with sin. When we do things or say things or think things that are wrong or contrary to what God wants us to um, think or act or do, we are no longer bright and spotless Christians God, er, and so then we need to ask God to forgive us so that he can purify us, so that he can make us clean, like my clean glass. Because this is a glass that people would want to use, and this is a glass that when we are bright and spotless, we are able to shine Jesus's love to others through, um, by being clean. And so when we ask God for forgiveness. He is faithful, and he will cleanse us from that sin so that we can serve him well. So we must try, with God's help, to live without sinning, and that can be a hard thing to do, but we don't have to do it on our own. Jesus is there to help us. But when we do sin, we need to ask God to forgive us so that he can um, clean up our lives. So let's pray and we'll ask God to forgive us or um, to help us to live a spotless life. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And thank you that when we ask that you are faithful and you will forgive us, just like it says in 2 Peter, that um, you are waiting or you've given us a promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And while we're waiting for that promise, that we You ask us to try as hard as we can to live without sin and without fault. So help us to live clean lives that are a blessing to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
2: Good morning. Our scripture reading today will be Acts 10, and I'll be reading the whole chapter. So follow along if you want. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened in something like a large sheet being let down by, to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They, asked, they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion, who is a righteous and God-fearing man who was respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, where Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. "'Stand up,' he said. "'I am only a man myself.' "'While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. "'He said to them, "'You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, "'but God has shown me that I should not, e- not call anyone impure or unclean. "'So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. "'May I ask why you sent for me?' "'Cornelius answered, "'Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour.' You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Psalm 34 reminds us that the Lord is good and invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that stands even when we go through difficult times. Part of the Psalms talks about going to the Lord for refuge. That's in the midst of a difficult time. And so as we sing together this song, Taste and See that the Lord is Good, I would ask you to just think about uh, God and think about those things that you go through and give them to Him, and bless His name for that is fitting. If you want to stand, you can, and if you have a mask on, you can even sing uh, let 's uh, join together.
3: good.
4: Thank you, worship team. One of the reasons we come together on Sundays, virtually or physically, is to praise who God is and all that he is, and he certainly is a good, good father. Um, My name is Glenn Reimer, and I'm an English teacher. English teacher? Wait. Where's Pastor Joran? Where's Pastor Matt? (laughs) Pastor Bruce? They're gone. Except Pastor Matt. He's here. And he'll make sure that nothing untoward happens this morning. Um, but we do have the Holy Spirit, and we have, and we have God's Word, and we are going to enjoy looking at that uh, this morning. Let's uh, pray first. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your Word, and we thank you for music, and that we can worship you. We thank you for truths that we can proclaim, and we thank you that we can just enjoy who you are, and seeing more and more of, of who you are and your love for us. And we pray that now as we look at your word, your Holy Spirit would give us insight, your Holy Spirit would give us ability to understand, and also to know how we can apply this to our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, last Sunday, um, Pastor Joran spoke about um, Aeneas and also Dorcas. And um, before that, Pastor Matt spoke about Saul. And there's a, few, there's a few tie-ins with those. One is that um, um, Saul was an incredibly angry person, which is what Pastor Matt talked about, how angry he was. And, and you take this person that was so angry and yet prepared by God to, to, be, um, to accept him and Jesus as Lord. And then we look at Cornelius in this passage, and he's totally the opposite seems like a guy that gives to the poor saul was killing the poor and um so they're two different people and yet god was preparing both of them um the other thing we see as well is that Aeneas and dorcas were in um dorcas was in a city called joppa and peter was there and he they saw dorcas actually raised from the dead and now peter stays with them for a few days uh little time longer, and Peter is still there when we start at the beginning of chapter 10. And one of the things that we see here is we first, the camera essentially goes to Cornelius, and this is in Caesarea, about 54 kilometers north of Joppa. And he says there, if we look at verse 2, it says that Cornelius was, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those who were in need, and he prayed regularly. I mean, here's a guy, now he does have one strike against him, he is a Roman, he's a centurion, he's actually like a Roman leader, uh, lieutenant or something, over about a hundred Roman soldiers, from what I understand, and so he is actually part of the oppressing army in Israel, or in that area at the time, and yet he also, the very people that he is oppressing, they will come to him later in the chapter, we'll see that they come to him, and they say, this guy is a good guy. You know, he takes care of our poor people. Um, And it says here that he was devout and God-fearing. And not just that he was devout and God-fearing, it also says that his family was devout and God-fearing. And so, a little bit like what um, Aaron talked about, a glass that was dirty or a glass that is clean. And it's like Cornelius had integrity. His glass, we're all sinners, and we all have times when we don't line up. Our words do not line up with our lives. But it seems that for Cornelius... His words lined up with his life a lot of the time, and people respected that, and that affected his family. Later on, we're going to see that that even affected his close friends in terms of how much they they trusted him and they respected him. And surely Cornelius would be someone that you'd think, if anybody was someone that didn't need anything more to get into heaven, it's surely Cornelius. He's God-fearing, he's devout, he loves his family, his friends, He helps the poor. What more would you want for someone to get into heaven? And yet, God said, I want to send someone to you to explain more fully the message that you need. The message of the good news. And what we see is, first of all, an angel came. And it says uh, in verse 4, 4 to 5 here, it says uh, that the angel came. He distinctly saw it. And then Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. And here we see Cornelius. Again, it's interesting, the response. Like both Saul and Peter and uh, Cornelius all respond in a different way. But they have their first phrase is interesting. For Saul, it was, um, who are you, Lord? You know, he had no idea. For cornelius it was like what is it lord and saying what do you what do you want me to do for peter it was surely not lord so you have a few different responses and interesting compare them but peter was a was a was a lieutenant he was someone that was used to both giving orders and receiving orders and it seemed that he adopted that same stance in his relationship um, to god in this case And it says here, the angel says that your gifts to the poor and your prayers have been noticed by God. And one thing that's interesting is that God notices the prayers and God notices the gifts to the poor. There's a lot of other things sometimes we put into our Christian life that maybe is not so noticeable to God. But prayers and our acts of compassion are two things that um, it says here is something that God really notes as he looks at us. Um, In verse 7, one of the things we see there is that when the angel spoke to him and gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. So here we see when when Cornelius said, what is it, Lord? He meant it. It wasn't just lip service. He wasn't just calling him Lord. He actually did exactly right afterwards what, what had been asked. And you know, we might say, have an angel come to him the the vision all these things they seem quite supernatural they seem quite removed but um ruth and i have been on you know the other side of the world for many years and it seems sometimes that almost every other believer we meet there has said oh you know before i became a christian i had jesus appear to me in a dream and it's not uncommon um even today um you know, and, and I think that the thing is that we need to realize is that God will use whatever he needs to get our attention. And he uses different means to do that. And in this case, he sent an angel to Cornelius. The other thing that's interesting there is that it says that there was a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. This is in verse 7. And what that means to me is that means that this was also a God-fearing soldier. This was a soldier that was walking down the same path as Cornelius, his boss. And so obviously... If there's anybody that sometimes you can see the faults in, it's often your boss, right? There's something that the way they treat you is not quite right. But again, obviously, Cornelius had integrity, and this soldier respected him and respected the way he walked and decided he was going to walk the same kind of way. One of the things in terms of just this part here with Cornelius, where God is talking to Cornelius, I think there's a few things we can apply. One of them is integrity it's not easy to live a life of integrity we are all sinners and there are times when um many times when my my words don't line up with my actions and i think as god helps us to mature and through the holy spirit that should be less and less frequent so more and more our daily life our monday to friday life lines up with our sunday life and that's that's integrity I think another thing we need to consider as well is just how often it comes up in the old testament and even here in the new testament about helping the poor and ministering to the poor and we also need to think how are we doing that how is how is a way that we are helping the poor helping those who are in less advantageous situations i was born in a middle-class family and so i i got to grow up in a family where i didn't ever think about food i didn't think about not having enough. And all my life, I've, I've never really had to think about that too much. As long as my wife balances the books and keeps track of the money, we're fine. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. And, um, you know, I think the one thing, too, is that we see here with Cornelius. I mean, Cornelius is an amazing person. And we see that he also influenced others. And he influenced others because he, because he had a life that matched his words. And, that's something also we want to think about. How do we influence our family? How do we influence those that we work with, um, co-workers and friends? And the one thing here is you see that Cornelius was someone who was seeking God. He, was a, he, was, he feared God, and he, he sought a relationship with God. And sometimes we don't even notice when people, when God is preparing people. There are people maybe all around us. There are people around us, and God is preparing them, and we don't even notice just last week, we were at a family burial in southern Saskatchewan and Ruth and I went with my mom and my mom had already called the, the uh, cemetery uh, caretaker, um, Dean, and he'd talk with Dean and she'd talk with Dean and, and he had said, you know, I just want to be, at, I'll be at the service, but only if there's only, you know, I'll be at the burial, but only if there's going to be a service. And, uh, and then she talked with him some more and, and when we were w- w- riding home, Mom said, oh, you know, that Dean, he is really a seeker. And I thought, well, I didn't, I hadn't really even noticed. I'd been there the whole time. But she was alert to that. And I think we need to also be alert to people that are, that are seeking the Lord, even if they communicate it in very, um, maybe very subtle ways. Then let's go to the next section, which is uh, section two, where we see God talks to Peter. And we see in verses nine and 10 about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So one of the things we see here, first of all, is that Peter went up to the roof to pray. That was his his, uh, his pattern that he, he just prayed. We see this with other men like Daniel, where they always were, had different times when they were praying. And one of the things that... Uh, we, we see here with Peter is that he had this habit of prayer. And I think for all of us, we need that habit of times of going to God and just having a time of prayer with him, reading the word, um, having a time of prayer, and then God has a chance to speak to us. Now, the funny thing here, of course, is that he goes up to the roof to pray. And when we were uh we also uh had a at one point uh this was in north africa we had a roof that was flat and i could go up there now i wasn't quite as spiritual as peter i had hauled my only gas barbecue in the entire city up to the top so i could continue to be canadian and still have my gas barbecue running and that's what i went up to the roof to do but peter went up there to pray however the first thing he thought of was he thought you know what it's about noon, and I'm really getting a little bit hungry here. I'm feeling a little peaked. I better, you know, before I really start getting into praying, I better go down and send down for a sandwich. So he you no know, doubt asked the people in the house if they could make him something, and so they did. Um, what's also sort of funny in a way is that the Holy Spirit, however, didn't wait for Peter to get his sandwich. He uh, actually just straight here's the vision, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him through a vision, and he sees heaven opened, and this large sheet comes down with animals, snakes, and all kinds of stuff in there, and Peter's like, and the voice says to him, kill and eat, and Peter's like, surely not, Lord, and he knows who it is, he knows this is from God, and those, Peter may not have really understood the meaning of the word Lord in that situation, it's like those two words don't really go together, surely not, and and Lord, but he says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And that whole phrase about I have never, to me, I mean, this is is in the English, but it's that idea of just, you know what? That is, I have never done that. And it's like sort of a bit of a spiritual pride. And that sort of seems like what's there. And the voice speaks to him and says, don't call anything impure that God has called clean. And the fact is we are all impure, but we rely on God to make us clean. And Peter was not quite seeing that. Peter was seeing, oh, I'm Jewish. I'm clean. Uh, this, is, this is stuff that I can't eat. I'm not supposed to eat pork, not supposed to eat snake, bats, all kinds of stuff. Um, so, so that's, and Peter was seeing that as his righteousness, as his external um, righteousness. And that was something that God is saying, no, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And the interesting thing is then in verse 19 and 20 while Peter was still thinking and he's like thinking thinking even 17 verse 17 it says while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and the one thing we see also God's timing God's timing everything perfectly he's coordinating everything together and we've seen I remember in in Mongolia we could see it just seemed like you know God was just doing all kinds of things but it from the ground point of view, it just looked like sort of a little bit chaotic. But then when you step back and you had the um, advantage of a few years of time, you could see, wow, God was putting that together. God put this together. God put this together. And that's what God's doing here. He's coordinating two separate things completely together. And two days journey is a long ways. It's as if this, these guys came from Vancouver and then they showed up in Saskatoon. Um, so one of the things that we see here is just that the, the Spirit decided he tried the first attempt with peter you know there was the special effects there was you know all the whole sheet the whole vision thing that didn't work so he does what uh, ruth has sometimes used to do with our boys when they were little she would just take their face when they were like all over the place she would just like and listen take their face in their hands and just sort of say now listen and it seems like that's what the holy spirit the holy spirit has tried the whole fancy way to, to approach it now he's speaking to peter directly and clearly and he just says look it." Simon three men are downstairs looking for you so get up and go downstairs do not hesitate to go with them for i have sent them and this time peter obeys and peter just goes downstairs and he says to the men i'm the one you're looking for why have you come and one of the things is they go on to explain about cornelius the centurion who's a roman roman leader he's respected he's righteous he's a god-fearing man And then, amazingly, Peter invites them into his house. Now, if you've been watching on YouTube, uh, The Chosen, you'll know that Peter had a run-in with uh, the Roman authorities when, uh, you know, earlier on. So there's some reason why Peter might have some, uh, you know, might, might have had some problems. Now, I'll just clarify, The Chosen only... Has uses a bit of spiritual imagination. It sort of says, you know, this is what might have happened. This is what could be here. We don't know. But no doubt, Peter, any Jewish person, almost any Jewish person, would not have good feelings towards, uh, towards an oppressive, a leader of, a, you know, occupying army. But Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now, this soldier, for sure, we know this soldier, well, not for sure, but we would imagine this soldier was not Jewish, He was with a regiment he was with cornelius's regiment this regiment was called the italian regiment these were not people from other armies these were people actually these were actual italians that had come in and they were they were part of his army so he was not he was not a jew and yet peter immediately puts makes the application of do not call these men unclean bring them into your house and um that's that's a pretty stunning change um it can be it can be difficult when you have a whole lifetime where you have very strong laws on what is clean and what is unclean, and to have someone into your home that is not clean that takes a lot of uh, a lot of shift in in the mind. And we have experienced that our, ourselves, um, being overseas as well. So it's one thing to think about. He invites them he invites them in, and then they take a two day walk to Caesarea. And again, you might think, "Wow, this this like, never happens today. This is like." long ago. This is 2,000 years ago. But just on Friday, we were at the funeral of Adrian Van uh, Bild, and he was in Papua, and a bunch of men, a dozen men or 10 men, came from, they were Nduga uh, men from the jungles of Papua from a place called Mapunduma. And they came, they walked 16 days to come and get him and ask him to come to their village to come and tell them about God. And so he did. And he went 16 days through the jungle to this village to tell them about God. And that's right in our, our lifetime. So this kind of thing still does happen. And we can see this also. We can look for this in, in our lives as well. So in terms of application, what, how can we apply this part um, in terms of Peter here? And I think the one thing is that, generally speaking, when God speaks to us, and asks us to go talk to somebody, or to go minister to somebody, or to do an act of compassion for somebody who is hurting and in a bad situation, it's almost never convenient. It almost involves leaving something comfortable. Like, I, I, I'm very comfortable in my house. You know, with COVID, it's like now I, I'm, not just, I'm not just in my house. I don't even have to go out of my house to go to work. I just walk downstairs, and I turn on the computer, and I teach over video, and it's very comfortable and you know it's generally speaking when god calls us to to go do something asks us to do something it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be inconvenient it's not going to be at a great time however after we go and we do what god's asked us to do there is there is joy and we see joy because we see god at work and that always is something that brings us brings us joy um one of the things that we, uh, that we have seen is just that sometimes um, God, just for some reason, he asks us to be involved in his kingdom. And Pastor Jordan was preaching last week, and he says one of the things he closed with was that God invites us to go with him, to go with him in his kingdom, and to, to go along with him as he builds his kingdom. And that is what God was doing here with Peter. And I think we all need to think about how long has it been since God has asked to do some, us to do something a little bit crazy. But we have gone and been willing to do it. And that's something that we need to always be in that mode. We need to always have our, our radio tuned to the right channel. Um, I don't know what the modern equivalent of that is. But, uh, but anyways, <laughs> something, you know what I mean. Um, so then we see Peter goes. Peter talks to Cornelius. Cornelius. And Cornelius is ready. Verse 24, we see that Cornelius says, he says, it says, the following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Uh, Cornelius is an army guy. So I guess he, he knew exactly, he knows how long it was going to take his, his guys to get down there. He knew how long it was going to take to get for them to get back. He was ready. But he was also ready in that he invited his relatives, he invited his family, he invited his close friends. And... He didn't even know Peter, but he was doing this all because this is what God had told him to do. And his close friends trusted him. This could have been very awkward, could have been a very bad situation, but they trusted him and he trusted God. Then Peter comes, verse 28, he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anybody impure or unclean. So I'm not sure if this would have been the best thing to start with. Um, you guys are all a bunch of filthy Gentiles, and I really shouldn't be here, but I've come anyway because God has told me to be here. But, you know, Peter, he's, he, he sort of starts talking, and then, he, you know, and then he begins to think of what he should be saying after, after whatever has come out first. Um, the other thing is he says, uh, but, you know, when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. I'm not sure that's quite, that might be stretching it a little bit, but anyways, eventually Peter got on the right track. And he does ask, why did you send me? And he realizes, he says there in verse 34 to 35, then Peter begins to speak. Cornelius, first of all, explains what has happened and and everything, and how God came to him and why he sent the men. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. And here we see again that The kingdom of God is completely untiered. is completely flat. It is God accepts all of us equally. It is like based on, it's just individual. His relationship with us is individual. And it's not based on which race we're from. It's not based on which gender we're from. It's not based on which country we're from. It's based completely just that he loves each one of us and accepts each one of us. And now if we stopped there... We might think, well, then what was the point of Peter going? Peter really didn't need to go, right? Cornelius was already someone who did what is right. He was already someone from any nation, every nation, who fears him. He feared him, and he did what is right. Why did Peter have to go? And that's where we're, we're going to keep on going, and we see, we see that to the, to the point. And that is, the point is that he comes in, is 43, where in verse 43 he says, all the prophets testify about him. That everyone who believes in him, and he's been talking about Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And this is, this is the point, is that in order to receive forgiveness of sins, it is through Jesus' name. And um, this brings us to, it's, it's a difficult thing for us to think about. Why would, but surely God wouldn't condemn someone who never had a chance to hear about Jesus and we don't know what happens in those situations we just know that jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me and this is very unCanadian. you know this is not this is not a canadian value canadian value is that hey whatever works for you however you get to god that's that's your business and god is saying no it's my business and this is the way i i have i have chosen and he has sent Christ to, to come to us and forgive our sins. And um, that comes when we accept him. And again, it's a hard question to know what happens to people who didn't have a chance. I, I grew up in a Christian family. It's easy for me to say this. You know, I had a chance to hear about Jesus when I was three or four, as soon as I could, I could talk. And yet, I think what we need to do is we have to trust that God is just, but he is also compassionate. And he said, whoever seeks me will find me. And just like those people in Mapunduma, they were seeking God. And they wanted to know about God. And God said, I have someone for you. Go to this village and get this man, Adrian, this Dutch man, and bring him to you. And he will tell you about Jesus. And so we have to trust that God will work those things out, like he did with Cornelius. Um, Next, we see that after Peter has shared this message and again this message can come in a lot of different ways it doesn't it's not the same way every time one of the things that i found was interesting with my mom when we were we we're her and i and and dean were walking around this cemetery together and she knew everybody there because that was in the cemetery because these were all her neighbors so she would talk about this person talk about that person and then she came to one person she said and this person and then and then dean said yeah he became a christian he started or he he got religion or he he became a preacher or something when he was 50 years old and um mom was able to share yeah he went to when he was 50 he became a believer and he accepted christ as his lord and he went to briar and started studying and so she was able to explain and she was able to get to this point but it just came out through the through the whole thing that had happened there at the cemetery and that's where where peter is taking um, this as well so he starts with i now realize how true it is that god does not show favoritism but he ends with his end point is all the prophets testify him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name and again this might not happen happen all at once Uh, pastor dan preached a message here about crumb evangelism and uh, that was a great message because he says sometimes we just, we just give a little bit of the truth. And that's what, that's what they take that time. And next time maybe there's another bit that comes in as we share that from our life. But always the, the end point is heading towards this end point that Peter ended on. And that is that um, you need to accept Jesus in order to receive the forgiveness of sins. And so what happens here is as Peter is speaking, the Holy Spirit comes on all who heard the message. This is verse, verse 44 and again there's otherwise there's no real fruit and also last week pastor jordan ended with that was one of the things he ended with also that the spirit takes what we're doing and then he makes it fruitful and he he allows it to have spiritual a spiritual an actual spiritual effect and one of the things we see here is also in verse 46 for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising god so they were supernaturally speaking in either a language that they didn't know or speaking in like a heavenly prayer language and that's what they were doing and this was a supernatural sign of the holy spirit and the circumcised believers in other words these were jewish believers these were people that were jewish but now they had accepted christ as their messiah who had come to peter were astonished that the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on the gentiles like they were amazed it's like you know, I mean, seeing someone raised from the dead is, is amazing, and they had seen that just recently, but seeing God pour the Holy Spirit out on the Gentiles, that was, that was really astonishing, and they wouldn't have believed it if there wasn't some real supernatural sign here that showed them that, yes, they have received the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things we need to, need to do here is just realize that we should be looking for the Holy Spirit to work. So that when we have a conversation with someone, when we have a chance to um, show, have an act of compassion, we should also be looking for how the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit and expecting the Holy Spirit to work in that situation as well and looking for that. And I think just in conclusion, um, we are, I think we should be expecting God to have people be preparing people right around us. Um, People that we work with, people that we are friends with, people that are in our neighborhood, And we should be listening as well. We need to have that time of going to God each day and listening. God, what do you you have for me today? What are you you putting in front of me today? And then again realizing that even though whatever he asks us to do is usually going to be inconvenient, uncomfortable, and not at the best time, it will lead to joy as we work together with God in seeing his kingdom expand. And I think this can involve um, Peter decided He went from he was told to go from Joppa to Caesarea. We might be told to go from our house to maybe someone else's house, just on the same block, or maybe to to our workplace um, to share, or in Saskatoon, somewhere else here in Saskatoon. Uh, We may also be asked to go to the other side of the world. One thing about Saskatoon, Saskatoon has 172 churches in Saskatoon. Ruth and I have lived and worked in countries where you could count the number of churches on one hand. And, um... So, God also has a heart for people who do not have a chance to go to a church just down the block. And that may be where God is asking you to to go. And I think one of the things is, um, as believers, we need to think about what is God asking us to do and be always listening it may be today, as you're listening to this, you identify with Cornelius. You say, yeah, I've always tried to do what is good. I've always tried to do good things. I give to charity. I do all these things. I try to be good, a, a good uh, uh, husband or wife or father or mother or friend um, or brother or sister or son or daughter. I, I try to be those things, but I just feel like there's, it's, there's some disconnect between me and God. And what God is saying to you here today through this passage is just that there doesn't have to be that disconnect. It is just a matter of asking Jesus to be your Lord and be your Savior and asking him to forgive your sins and, and deciding to say, I want a relationship with you. And if, if that is you and you're listening, you can call the church and Sue or Tammy will answer the phone and they'll be happy to connect you with um, one of the pastors or an elder, or Sue or Tammy can share and explain and answer any questions you might have. Um, but it's very important. This is probably, this, this is, not probably, but this is the most important decision any of us will make in our lives, and that is whether we will have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ or not, as Cornelius made that decision in this chapter. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you that you continually show us the important things And you don't just show us the important things, but you also show us the way to get there. And you show us that a relationship with you is the most important thing we can have. And you show us how to get there. And you provide people that can explain this to us. And Lord, we pray that we would be people that would be involved in this process. We also pray for those who do not know you and have a relationship with you that they would just that your holy spirit would be upon them and just bring them an intense longing to be reunited with their good good father who who loves them deeply and desires a relationship with them we pray this in your name amen Thank you worship team and now as we go into our weeks let's remember that we face a task unfinished and that god has generously asked us and invited us to be involved in that unfinished task and i'll just read again verse 34 and 35 then peter began to speak i now realize how true it is that god does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right and let's be alert this week to what parts of that unfinished task God is asking us to do. Amen. Go in peace.